That is, I told the first service, that's my favorite song that, that we sing. And I said, I, I don't even care if y'all like it or not. I, I just like it. And, and uh, you know, whenever they sing that song, I feel like that I, I probably have the best voice in the world when they're singing that song. I just feel like I'm so good. I, I felt that way until Walt, who's the guy that plays over here. I don't know if y'all have noticed Walt. He's in the back. He plays the acoustic, one of the acoustic guitars. He's the one that's always dancing. Uh, back here, but Walt said, you know, when you sing, because sometimes you have your microphone still on. And he said we could hear it in our ears. He's like, could you turn that off? And so, uh, I, and that didn't help me a whole lot on, uh, you know, my self-esteem. So if y'all want to, y'all can tell me how great of a singer I am later. But there was a, a photographer for a national magazine that was told to go cover a story of a major forest fire in Southern California. He said, if I'm going to go down there and take good pictures, he said, I have to be in a plane to take pictures. And so they said, well, we'll have a, we'll have a plane ready for you to go at a private airport. You just drive there. You'll see it right there. The, the door will be open. You just hop on. And so he got there as fast as he could, saw the plane sitting there. His little Cessna had the propeller, you know, just spinning, ran up the, ran up the little ramp and threw his, threw his luggage on board and started yelling at the pilots, let's go, let's go. Pilot just threw the plane right in the air. I mean, they were off before he could before he could even you know, say boo. And so they're flying around. And he said, all right, now here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to get as close to that forest fire as you can. And I said, I want you to get down as low as you can. And the pilot looked a little concerned. He looked back at him and said, well, why do you want me to do that? And he's put his camera together. He said, so I can take pictures. And so a few minutes passed. Nobody said anything as the, the photographer's getting his stuff ready. And the pilot kind of looked a little anxious, and he looked back at him, and he said, Are you trying to tell me you're not the instructor? Now, uh, as you can imagine, the uh, photographer at that moment had what you would call a little bit of a sinking feeling. And uh, I think there's probably times in, in all of our lives whenever we experience moments like that, when we have sinking feelings, you know, whenever you've said something that you wish that, you know, they, just the words sometimes just sort of jump out of your mouth. And you're like, oh, you can't get them back in. And uh, there's that, that like, oh, I don't know what, how I'm going to recover from this. And uh, there's certain situations that arise, arise and, and you think, I, man, I don't know how, how to have, you know, how to even make this situation look good. Well, today we're continuing our series on courage. And we're going to look in the, in the scripture about a guy who experienced a sinking feeling in his life. Now, the good news is as he was going through that sinking feeling, he, he discovered a way to have, to have victory over it. And it's my hope that we're going to be able to be like this man we're looking at today, the man, the disciple named Peter, who experienced a sinking feeling, but he's able to have victory over it. It's my hope that, that whatever it is you might be facing that's causing you maybe to feel depressed, that's caused you to feel down, that you'll discover that there is a way through the power of God to overcome that sinking feeling. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to look in verse number 25 in just a few moments. Uh, but just to give you a little background information, what was going on right before this passage of Scripture we're reading today is that Jesus had just finished feeding uh, the 5,000. And I'm sure that you're familiar a little bit with that story. Uh, some scholars say that if you add in children and women... That it was anywhere from fifteen to twenty thousand people that Jesus fed. Now, do y'all remember what their menu was? Yeah, fish and bread. It was it was five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh, no doubt about it. This is what you would call 
a miracle. I mean, something incredible. Uh, we, we were in the same spot last year, our family and, and our youth pastor and some other people. We were in Israel, and you, know, you, you read stories like this, and fifteen to 20,000 people were there, and Jesus spoke to them. You think, how did they hear them? Uh, because you know, they didn't have like you know sound system back then. But what's really neat is in this area, it's on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, is that there is a natural amphitheater there. And so I've actually been down to the very bottom, and I've spoken, and the people all the way up the top could hear me. And so that, y'all, that was, has nothing to do with anything. I just thought that was really cool. And so just to let you know, when the Bible talks about stuff like this, and you, start, you begin to discover, this stuff is real. And these stories are true. Now, the disciples, this is what Jesus had done. He fed the 5,000. And right after he got finished feeding them, the disciples got in a boat, and they were to travel across the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, the name is a little more intimidating than the sea actually is. Uh, the sea is only, it's only seven miles across and 13 miles long. Uh, I think we can say Lake Murray's more intimidating than the Sea of Galilee. And so what happened, though, is these disciples were trying to get across to the other side of the lake. A huge storm came up and just, you know, wreaked havoc on this lake. And I know it's a small lake, but this kind of, these kinds of storms still happen today. Uh, the, the lake is surrounded by mountains, and so it's down in a, in a little bowl. But it was in the midst of this storm that we discover Peter experienced a sinking feeling in his life. And so we say, well, how did he, did he have victory over it? How did he overcome it? And we're just going to see if a few things that occurred in his life that I think can occur in our lives for us to be able, able to overcome sinking feelings that we experience. And the very first thing that I noticed with Peter is he was able to overcome that sinking feeling because he was not afraid. And that's the, that's the first lesson for us, to overcome sinking feelings. First of all, don't be afraid. And I know this is, this is a whole lot easier to talk about or say than it is to actually do. But I want you to look in verse 26 to see this. It says, when the disciples saw him, they saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I really can't be too judgmental of the disciples being you know, scared to death at this point. And they're going through this huge storm right here. They're nervous. But what's, what's interesting is that they had gone into the boat to cross the lake, it says, at the beginning of the evening. And then we're told, the very first verse, verse 25, if you have your Bible, you can look there. It says that Jesus saw them still struggling at the oars during the, uh, the what's the third watch of the night? Is that right? Or fourth watch of the night? Now, the fourth watch of the night is in between 3 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock in the morning. What this means that is that from early evening between, to, to 3 to 6 o'clock in the morning, the disciples are fighting for their lives. I mean, they are battling the waves. They are battling the storms. And there is no doubt that at this point, they had to be exhausted. They had to be desperate. They had to be thinking, and we're not going to survive this storm. They knew they were in trouble. And then to, you know, sort of, you know, not that they were already anxious enough. There's another thing that could have scared them to death. It says that in verse 26, they looked out and they saw somebody walking to them who looked like a ghost. Uh, just for a little more background information, Jewish superstition during this day was that if you saw an apparition during the night, it meant destruction was coming. Okay, so they are having a real sinking feeling here. 
Things are not looking good. They are frightened. So how does Jesus talk to them? Jesus said in verse number 27, he says, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, why should they not be afraid? I mean, they're in a storm. This is a scary situation here. Well, they shouldn't have experienced fear when Jesus spoke these words because they needed to remember why they were on the boat in the first place. As a matter of fact, we're told in verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Now, who is the one who told the disciples to get in the boat to go across the lake? It was Jesus, right? Jesus gave them the instruction. Now, you have to to ask the question, well, did Jesus know that when they got in that boat that eventually they were going to run into a pretty serious storm? And I have to say the answer to that question is absolutely. Jesus knew this. Jesus is God. He knows all things. He understands everything about life. So he knew a storm was coming. Now, because he knew a storm was coming, what was Jesus doing in the middle of the storm? The same story is told in Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 6. And it says Jesus was praying. Now, I don't know exactly what he was praying for, but I know that it says he was on a mountainside. He was praying, and on that mountainside, you can actually look down from the mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee. And you can, I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of trees there. You can see all the way to the lake. Jesus was able to look down as he was praying and see his disciples struggling at the oars. Now, they were in the boat because they were obedient to Jesus. But even though they were obedient to Jesus, they ran into a storm. Now, that's just a reminder to me that just because we decide, if we make a decision, we're going to be obedient to Jesus, that we're going to be faithful to him, it doesn't mean that everything's just always going to come up rosy for us. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, he said, In this world you will have trouble. It doesn't say you might. It says you will have trouble in this world. But he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. They say, if I'm going to face trouble, then why should I not be afraid? Well, it's because Jesus will never lead you to go somewhere and then abandon you. When he leads you to go somewhere, Jesus will stay with you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, he said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He says he's always with us. But let me tell you something. If you're hanging on to someone or something other than Jesus, as you're going to be disappointed because it's only Jesus who has an enduring relationship with you. And you might say, well, I, I think money's important. And I mean, money's a, a good thing. But let me tell you something. It's limited. I think we're, we've discovered that. Money's limited. Relationships are great things to have. You guys, relationships can disappoint you. Relationships can fail you. They can cause problems. But it's only Jesus who says He will always be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Jesus will never take us somewhere and call us to follow Him in obedience and then leave us behind. Now the disciples had nothing to fear because Jesus was with them. That's why Jesus said, hey, it's, it's me. He said, if I'm with you, you have no reason to be afraid. Even though you might have a sinking feeling in your life, as you follow me, Jesus says, I will be with you. One thing I like about the story is that they were going through the storm, 
Jesus didn't wait for the storm to stop before he went to the disciples. Jesus went to them in the midst of the storm. And guys, I want you to know that God understands that there are stormy events that take place in our lives. And he will come to you even in the midst of the storms that you face. So be comforted in knowing that in the midst of storms, Jesus is there. That Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He will not allow you to be swallowed up by the storms of life. Now when you have a sinking feeling like Peter did, how do we have victory over it? Well, look at Peter. I, I see, first of all, he wasn't afraid. Now there was fear at the beginning, but you'll see in a minute that his fear subsided. Now so secondly, what's another way to get over that sinking feeling? Well, again, we need to look at Peter as an example of courage here. And that is that he didn't focus on the storms. If you're going to have victory, don't focus on the storms. Look with me in verse 29. And this is Jesus speaking to Peter. He says, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Now, I have to tell you that I am, I am very impressed with Peter because he, he got out of the boat. Now, it's real easy to stand up here and talk about Peter, and we can focus on the story of, you know, Peter got out of the boat, but what, what ended up happening to him? He ended up sinking. I think that's most of the time that's the part of the story we remember. I'm impressed with the fact he got out of the boat. It says there's a, you know, a figure coming towards them. It's Jesus, and, and Peter cries out, and I like, I love the disciple Peter because Peter's one of these guys, it seems like a lot of times he's sort of half-cocked, you know, everything he does. He, he says stuff. And then, you know, and you think, I can, I know people like that or I can identify with him because there's times I just say stuff and I think, why did I say that? This could have been one of those moments for Peter. But Jesus is coming to him and says, it's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to get out of the boat and come to you. Now, I, I read that and I think, if that's me, I'm not saying that. I'm going to be saying, Lord, if that's really you, come get in the boat with us. You know, take a ride with us. Peter does the exact opposite. I mean, you talk about courage. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. You know what you want to notice here? It's Peter's focus. It was Jesus. His focus was no longer the storm. It was no longer the waves and the tribulations and the trials of this life. His focus was totally Jesus. And because it was Jesus, you know what Peter got to do? He got to walk on water. He got to walk on top of the waves when his eyes were placed on Jesus. He didn't sink. He walked. And he walked on water. Now, all of us, like I said earlier, all of us are going to have waves in life that are going to come at us. And one thing I really like about the Bible is it's real honest with us. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which await you. Now that's, I mean, that's not like it's a real comforting verse there, but it's just honest. There will be trials that will come your way. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, 45, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. You know, all of us have experienced joys and pain in life. 
All of you, I'm sure, have experienced the death of a loved one. You've had the loss of friendship. You might be living in a, in a time where you're in the midst of doubt. And all of these things are a part of living. The fact that we live in a sinful world. What we have to be careful of, though, is those, that those things do not become our focus. If your struggles in life and your trials in life become the thing that you key in on more than anything else, you are going to drown in a sea of defeat. That's what happened to Peter. Now, Peter, at first, he had his focus on Jesus. But then his focus, his eyes went from Jesus to everything else around him. What happened to him? Well, verse 30 says, When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. Let me tell you something. When you take your eyes off of Jesus, when your focus in life shifts to other things other than Christ and how he desires for you to live, what he desires out of your life, you're going to sink. You see, it's really all about where our focus is. If, if we are going to get over that sinking feeling, we have to say, well, where's my focus right now? You know, when your focus is in the wrong place, it's when you find yourself in trouble. Uh, I, I love history, and I read a story about some settlers that came to the United States about 400 years ago, and they settled northeast, a part of a, a town in northeast uh, the United States. It wasn't the United States back then. But they came in as colonists. When they arrived in the first year, they, they, uh, they, they established a town. The second year, they established a town government. The third year, they came up with future expansion. The fourth year, they decided that they were going to build a road outside of the town five miles into the wilderness. The fifth year, they decided they were going to impeach the government because they said, why do we need to leave this town and go out into the wilderness? They said, everything's fine right here. Now, the interesting part of that story to me is that five years before, these people had the vision and foresight to travel 3,000 miles to a new world to begin a new life and do something exciting. Within five years, they wouldn't even leave town. Why? Because they lost their focus. They lost their vision of what could become, of what life could be. I look at Peter, I see Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. But when his eyes left Jesus, he began to go down. Now let me share with you a couple of things when you take your eyes off of Jesus. One, when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you will very quickly begin to realize you personally have zero power. You'll begin to recognize that you personally really don't have control over anything in life. And I've mentioned this before, but the older I get, the more and more I begin to realize I don't have control over anything. You know, when you're younger, you think, man, I've got control over my body. This body's going to last and do good things for me. Y'all, it ain't true. Uh, I started, I, I actually, I told you we bought P90X a long time ago. I actually started doing it. Oh my gosh, this body I've got, I know as good as it looks right now. Let me tell you something. Dude, it is a piece of junk on the inside. Right now, I am, I'm struggling with my hamstrings. Uh, it is just terrible when you start thinking, man, I don't have control over anything. The Bible speaks about our mortality. You know, we, are, we are just we are flesh and blood. You will, not, you will not be here forever. And you need a God 
who has a vision for you beyond this life. This life, let me me share with you what this life has to hold. James 4.14 says, Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a vapor. You're a morning fog that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is short. And I don't want to spend my life, and I don't want to see you spend your life being tossed to and fro by the storms of life. I want you to stand firm with me because we know we have a God who will stand with us. Now, we're all going to have sinking feelings because we can't can't allow it to drag us to the bottom. I look at Peter and I see that Peter, he wasn't afraid. He didn't focus his attention for a while on the storms, but when he did, he began to sink. But here's the last way he was able to overcome that sinking feeling. This is the key to them all. To let Jesus rescue you. You want to overcome the sinking feeling? Ultimately, it comes to you having a willing spirit to allow Jesus to rescue you. Look in verse number 30. It says, but when he, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And it says, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, Peter's big mistake was removing his eyes, removing his focus from Jesus. Because as soon as he did, he began to sink. But when he began to sink, the Bible says he cried out. Now, that's normal. When we get in trouble, our, our first response is to cry out, somebody help me. The key for Peter was in whom he cried out to. Who did he cry out to? Jesus. Now he's going under. One thing I noticed is that that Peter did not turn around and start trying to trying to swim back to the boat. I noticed that he didn't yell back to the other disciples saying, throw me a rope, guys, I'm going down. He cried out to Jesus. Now, why would he cry out to Jesus? We cried out to Jesus because he understood that Jesus was stronger than he was. He understood that that he was worth calling out to because he was one who actually had power over all things. He cried out to the disciples. Remember, the disciples, they were like me. They never got out of the boat. If he's looking for heroes, don't look back at the boat with those guys. Peter cried out to Jesus and it says he called him Lord. Lord, save me. That word Lord, it means master. Even though Peter was in a bad situation, even though he'd taken his eyes off of Jesus, he understood that Jesus was still the master of all things. Now, how would he know that? Remember, a few hours before, he'd seen Jesus feed thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Hours before, if you read the scriptures right before it, you'll see that Peter, with his own eyes, had seen Jesus heal people of disease. Peter knew who Jesus was. The question for us today is, do we know who Jesus is? I mean, do we really know what Jesus is capable of doing? Do you understand that Jesus has power and dominion over all things? Not just Sundays. Guys of all time. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 speaks of the supremacy of Jesus. It says, Jesus is the image. That word image, it means a duplicate. It means the spitting image 
of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things are created by him and for him. He's before all things, and in him it says all things hold together. Now, maybe you're being whipped around right now by the storms of life. And if that's you, you need to know that Jesus has his hand reaching out to you, waiting to grab hold of you to pull you up. But here's the key. Jesus will not bust the door down into your life to grab you. He's going to wait to be invited. He has a hand extended to you, but he's waiting for an invitation. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus knocks on the door of our heart, but it's up to us to open ourselves up to him. In our text, remember, Peter had to cry out to Jesus first. Lord, save me. Jesus is waiting for an invitation. He's not going to bully his way into your life. But what I'm afraid that happens for a lot of us is there's just so much stuff that goes on in life that that we, we get so preoccupied with other stuff, we focus on other things that we don't hear the gentle knocking of Jesus on our life. Or if we do, we think, well, I, I think I can handle this by myself. I don't need to invite him into my life. And so sometimes we ignore him. I've told you all this before, when, when somebody's drowning... When you go to rescue them, you don't rescue them while they're still thrashing around. If you do, they're, they're going to they're gonna beat on you and they're going to pull you down. You wait until they realize there's no other option except for you. And they're too tired anymore to try to handle things by themselves. Now look at Peter. Peter was going under. He didn't call out to anybody else. He called out to the one who could rescue him and he allowed Jesus to. To rescue him. And when Peter did this, Jesus reached down, grabbed him, and he put him back on the boat. Now, it is interesting to note that the storm did not stop immediately. The storm didn't stop until Peter was back on the boat. But I guarantee you, his anxiety level, it had to go way down whenever Jesus got a hold of him. Guys, I want to encourage you. As you go through storms in your life, as you struggle, as maybe as maybe you feel like you're in a in a tough predicament right now, and you say, I, you know what? I don't I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my job. I might be getting laid off. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my marriage. It's broken. It seems like it's beyond repair. I just really am confused. My challenge for you is to quit fighting the storms that rage against you. And call out like Peter and say, Lord, save me. Lord, rescue me. Because I'm telling you today, he is the only hope that any of us have. And for some of you, that might begin with you giving control of your life to Jesus. To just simply talk to him and say, Jesus, I, I want you to have charge of my life. And so you can do that today in just a few moments. For others of you, you're believers, you already have a relationship with Jesus, but you know that as you look at your life, there's so many specific worries and concerns that you have, and you've been trying to deal with them for a long time. I want to remind you what, 
what First Peter 5, 7 tells us. Peter, the guy we're talking about today, and he learned this. Peter said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And it's time for some of you to cast your cares and your burdens to Jesus. And say, Lord, I'm just simply going to have to trust you. That you can handle these burdens that I've been carrying for a long time. And so what I'd like for us to do is just as we close the service out, if you just bow your head and close your eye. Close your eyes and, and you can just simply talk to the Lord. Some of you as believers, you need to call out to the Lord and just simply say, Jesus, I, that these are some areas, some things I'm carrying in my life right now. And God, I, can't, I, I understand I can't carry them by myself anymore. Lord, I just cast, I cast those anxieties on you. As you do that, I, I, want to, I want to encourage you to trust Jesus. To help you with this. With the burdens that you have. And to trust what his word says. It tells us in Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 9. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But with everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Trust Him on that. For others of you, it's time for you to give yourself to Christ. And where you are, you can silently pray this prayer to Jesus or something like it. Lord, today I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. And I ask you to be the Savior and the Master of my life. Lord, I am tired of fighting battles by myself. Lord, today I give you the battles of my life and I entrust myself to you and I choose today to follow you. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this time that we have. We are grateful that we can call out to you in prayer. And Lord, I pray that as we face at times the sinking feelings of life, Lord, that like Peter, we will remember to look to you. And like he said, Lord, save me. Lord, rescue me. I pray that this church will be a church of rescue, a church of hope, a church of changed lives because of the power of Jesus. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.